Thanks for joining us here at Faith Assembly for our weekly podcast. We're so excited you're tuning in this week. To learn more about our church, you can visit us online at myfaithassembly.org. Join us live or connect with us on Facebook. Genesis chapter 20, we're in a series called Triggered, and uh, we're looking and identifying how we see the world. And um, if, we, if we don't see things properly, we won't respond properly. I want to share today a principle that I believe will help break some cycles that maybe we get caught in and uh, that some systems that, that we become conditioned in would be able to change in our lives. This is the story of Abraham. We find him in a situation that unfortunately is not the first time. This happened to him before. He does the same thing in Egypt with Pharaoh. He does it now with Abimelech and Gerar. And his son is going to do it in the same place about 90 years later from this moment in time. So there's a pattern and a a cycle that is happening here. And I want to look at this today, remembering that Abraham is the one that that God said, through you, I will bless the whole nations. He's the father of faith. He's the father of of Christianity. Uh, Abraham, it all began with him. And uh, this is where he finds himself in Genesis chapter 20. Why don't you stand with me as we read these first 14 verses of Genesis chapter 20. Uh, Abraham had just rescued Lot from, uh, from Sodom and Gomorrah, the city that was destroyed by God because of the sin that had, that had infiltrated that place. And uh, uh, right before that, God gave a message to Abraham and Sarah that she would conceive. And if you remember, Sarah was like, uh, that's not happening. I'm in my 90s, not gonna work. And uh, how many know nothing is impossible? Yeah. I still don't want my 90-year-old grandmother to have a, I mean, I'll just be honest. Like, I mean, I, I stopped on that because, like, I know it's not impossible, but no way, Nan. Uh-uh. No way. All right. Um, so he, he, of course, has, has gotten the promise. He rescues Lot. Now he's moving again. And this is where he is at the beginning of chapter 20. Abraham moved south to the Negev and lived for a while between Kadesh and Shur. And then he moved on to Gerar. While living there as a foreigner... I want to remind us all, we're all foreigners. One of the things that really gives us a better perspective is to know that where we're living, we live in the temporal. So hold hold loosely to the things that are temporary and hold tight to the things that are eternal. Uh, We don't live for this life. That's why we can can trust God in seasons because we can let go of where we've been because we know God is always preparing something better for us. And uh, there's there's grace in that process. And so um, he, he says here that he was a foreigner. I remind you that you are the same. We're foreigners. We're coming, and soon we will leave. Uh, Abraham introduced his wife, Sarah, by saying, she is my sister. That's just messed up. He introduces Sarah, his wife, as his sister. So King Abimelech of Gerar sent for Sarah and had her brought to him at his palace. But that night, God came to Abimelech in a dream and told him, you are a dead man, for that woman you have taken is already married. And Abimelech had not yet slept with her. So he said, Lord, will you destroy an innocent nation? Didn't Abraham, Abraham tell me she is my sister? And she herself said, yes, he is my brother. I acted in complete innocence. My hands are clean. In the dream, God responded, yes, I know you are innocent. That's why I kept you from sinning against me and why I did not let you touch her. How many are thankful that God in his sovereignty knows how to keep and protect the very things that we sometimes allow to be vulnerable 
to, to the things of the world. God protects and keeps. He says, so I intervened there. Verse seven, now return the woman to her husband and he will pray for you. He, Abraham, will pray for you for he is a prophet. Then you will live. But if you don't return him to her to him, you can be sure that you and all your people will die. Abimelech got up early the next morning and quickly called all of his servants together. When he told them what had happened, his men were terrified. Then Abimelech called for Abraham. I want you to see how in-depth Abimelech gets with Abraham. All right, so he calls for Abraham. And this, this is his words. Abimelech says to Abraham, what have you done to us? He demanded, what crime have I committed that deserves treatment like this, making me and my nation or my kingdom guilty of this great sin? No one should ever do what you have done. Whatever possessed you to do such a thing? He just kept going sentence after sentence like, what is wrong with you? What are you doing? Why would you allow this? Verse 11, Abraham replied, I thought, how many know right there sometimes the very problem? Look at your neighbor, tell him right now, your thinking might be the problem. Uh, Abraham says, I thought, I thought this is a godless place. They will want to take my wife and kill me to get her. She must have been really smoking hot. I mean, unless that was another thing he just thought, you know. Uh, anyway, uh, he says, uh, I thought it was a godless place. They'll want to take my wife and kill me to get her. And she really is my sister, for we both have the same father, but different mothers. Oh, okay. And I married her. When God called me to leave my father's home and to travel from place to place, I told her, do me a favor. Whenever we go or wherever we go, tell the people that I am your brother. Then Abimelech took some of his sheep, goats, cattle, male and female servants and presented them to Abraham. He also returned his wife, Sarah, to him. Father, I pray that you would help our thinking. That God, where we've gotten stuck, I pray that the cycle be broken. And Lord, that we would walk from where we've been into what you have for us, in all that you have for us. We pray this in Jesus' name. And if you believe that, to walk in all that God has for you today, would you say amen? Amen. amen. You may be seated this morning. I want to I, I just talk today from this title, The Cycle of Assumption. Our mind has the ability to create some great things. The mind is, is genius. The mind can produce systems, ideas, can engineer uh, different things of, of creation. The mind can do great things, but we also recognize that not only can the mind produce, produce great things, sometimes the mind can get caught up in destructive patterns. That the mind can be in, in places that are sometimes destructive. There's an assumption, uh, uh, an assumption cycle that might need to be broken. If we're being honest, there's patterns and systems that could change in our lives if we'd let them. And oftentimes the culprit of this repetitive reaction or this, this reaction to triggers, this repetitive reaction that we're caught in, oftentimes it's caused by assumptions. Assumptions are our ability to make judgment without proof. Assumptions allow us to come to a conclusions all by ourselves. That is how good we are. We can fill in the blanks without anybody helping us. We can do this all by ourselves. We, we, can, we can come up with the reasons why, and we can do this all on our own. Last week, we talked about, uh, about how we respond to life's moments that don't make sense. Uh, Jesus said to the disciples, unless you eat my, my flesh and drink my blood, you can't, uh, you, you, you can't have anything to do with me. And, and of course, there were those in the crowd like, 
not for us, we're out of here. Jesus then says to Peter and the other disciples, will you leave me also? And Peter, in a moment of what didn't make sense, I love Peter's response, and let it be ours. Peter said, where else would we go? You have the word of life. You are the holy one. There's nowhere else we can go. And so that's the way to respond when life doesn't make sense. But oftentimes, we recognize that when life doesn't make sense, we try to help it out by filling in the blanks and coming up with what doesn't make sense by our own understanding. That we fill in the blanks and try to connect where we are from where we've been. And the cycle is conditioned or hindering us because where we're going needs to break free from where we've been. Because if we don't break free from where we've been, we won't fully walk into what God has for us to step into. And this assumption can sometimes keep us in a, in a place of, of, of continuing. It's a self-appointed gift of, of assumption. It's trying to make sense of a situation without having the whole story. Let me just give you a simple illustration. You know someone didn't talk to you, and you know why they didn't talk to you. The reason they didn't talk to you, because they think this. And how many know all you've done was take a situation connected to an assumption and come up with your own reality? Raise your hand if you've ever been gifted to come up with an assumption. Where are all the gifted people, the creative people in the room? Come on. Yeah, but we, all of us have the ability to create the assumption. We, we can connect. There's a gap between what we experience and what we're, what we're, what we're receiving. That gap, we, we try to fill in. We jump to conclusions. We jump to conclusions that are wrong, and here's why. We jump on conclusions that are wrong because we lean on our own understanding of the past more than on the promise of his future. We lean more on our understanding of the past than we do on his promise for our future. There's a story of Houdini, and uh, everyone knows Houdini, the uh, escape artist who would be able to get out of anything and could get locked into shackles and places, and, and he, would, he would get out most times. There was a, a story that while he was touring Europe, he made it one of his, one of his promotion uh, stunts that he would do is he would go from small town to small town in Europe and he would have the, the local jailer put him in shackles and in their, jeep, their deep cell and then he would get out. The townspeople would come around and they would watch and they'd be amazed that he would be able to get out of the shackles and then he would get out of the prison and they'd all be amazed. He went to one Scottish village and in the Scottish village he did the same thing. The, the, the jailer put the shackles on him, put him in the cell and then people gathered around and watched but this was different because when Houdini got out of the shackles, he moved to the cell and began to work the lock to try and get out of the cell. And it took so long that there were people who were like, this is way too long. I don't have time for this. They began to leave. And this was an unusual event. And finally, after doing all that he could and wearing himself out, Houdini says to the jailer, he says, I need help with this one. The jailer said, yeah, I knew you could get out of anything, so I didn't lock it. So every time Houdini thought he was unlocking it, he was locking himself in. The article that told the story of this event was titled, Houdini, Locked Up by His Own Thoughts. And I wonder how many of us are locked up by our own thoughts. There's an assumption cycle that's happening in our lives and we tell ourselves a certain story and that certain story now becomes the reality and truth to us and our reality based on where we've been might be the very thing hindering us from where God has for us. That we get caught up in assumption of, of, of recognizing how things were and the way things have been, that we're trugger, triggered by our moments that are filled with assumptions and we move with more of assumptions than facts. 
Here's the most dangerous thing about assumptions. This is, this is why assumptions are so dangerous. The most dangerous thing about assumptions is that they are all built on the assumption that we know everything. That's dangerous. When we can ever, when we can allow ourselves to assume that we completely understand everyone's behavior, everyone's thought, everyone's reaction, and everyone's reason. You know what you've done? Assumption allows us to take the place of God. Assumption allows us to live in a world that centers around us. And why is it dangerous? Because it's a very thing that if we don't recognize, we could easily take God off of his throne and put ourselves in it. Because now we live according to what makes sense to us than in what he is setting in motion and what it is that he's wanting to accomplish in us. That there's this danger, and here's Abraham. He's a foreigner in a land, and, and in this, this land, it's not the first time. We said this already. He had gone through different lands, but he had this habit that when he would go into a land, he made a deal with his wife. He said, hey, honey, when we travel, I know we're gonna follow the Lord, and the Lord said, go, and I'll show you the place to go, and when we do, uh, tell him you're my sister. The reason he did this, because there was a societal law or practice in certain areas, not many, just certain, that there were some that the practice was this, that if you came into an area and the men wanted your wife, all they had to do was kill you and take her. Now, that's a godless, lawless atmosphere. But if she's your sister, you're her brother, then you can be safe. And even in certain places, before they marry her, they'll ask the brother's permission. So in walking in these potential places, Abraham already made it a point. Isn't it interesting that he said, follow, I'll follow God and go wherever he tells me to go. But hey, along the way, let's work out a deal. Because if I'm your husband, then they could kill me. But I'll say that I'm your brother because then that way I can control the situation. How many would recognize that we've sometimes put ourselves in places that instead of being the husband and walking the place of trusting God and allowing God, we were like Abraham and said, no, I'll play the brother role. And as the brother role, I'll be able to step in and intervene and try and work out the situation and try and control it. And there's this place that Abraham finds himself in and he makes this deal so that I can be safe. But notice what he puts on the line. The very gift that God gave him, who the Lord said through Sarah, you will have a seed and that seed will produce many na a great nation and many descendants. Because of his fear and because of his assumption, he takes the very thing that God gave precious and now made it vulnerable to the work of the world around him. Assumptions don't not only not only do they lack truth, but assumptions literally violate the truth. When we operate in assumptions, we don't just lack the truth, we violate the truth. And in violating the truth, we interject ourselves in our own understanding as final authority instead of allowing God. And there might be some things that are hindering that you and I might be missing out on the destination that God has because we're stuck in a cycle of assumption in the place that we've been. And we're just assuming let me tell you an easy assumption. I think I already alluded to this is that, you know, we, we look and we're going to build a building, trusting God, believing all this. And obviously there's always opinions. How many know in any time you try to move forward, everybody's got an opinion on how it ought to work, right? And that's fair. 
because it's all the opinions together that allow us to really discern and see what God wants because at the end of the day, it's not about you, it's not about me, it's not about them, it's about the kingdom of God and his work and him advancing and so what God wants. And when things don't go, the assumption can be because my trigger has always been insecurities. Now, I've been open and honest with that, but as a recovering and by God's grace, I have recovered from my insecurities. In those moments, the trigger is, see, you don't have what it takes. You're not good enough. God doesn't love you like he loves other people. God's not for you like he's for other people. How many know that truth so violates the truth of God's word? Do you recognize that? And it's so easy to subtly allow ourselves to be in a pattern of thinking, but that very pattern of thinking that I had to recognize enough, it's not just affecting me, it's violating my God, his word, his truth, what it's saying about him and who I believe he is. And, and when we allow the assumptions, they keep us in a cycle that keep us, keep us going through the same motion that we've been. And Abraham, of course, traded uh, traded what he knew for what he thought. He says these words when he's confronted with, why would you do such a thing? Why would you say she's my, my, my sister rather than wife? He said, because I thought. I thought this was a godless nation. Be careful that we don't move on our thinking because your thoughts have the ability to put you in some dangerous and vulnerable in difficult places. That when we allow ourselves to recognize the, the patterns that might be around us, and what we do is we often face today's issues in the pattern of yesterday's experience. I've been here before, and when something triggers us, we get triggered by, and it reminds me of when it was when I was growing up. It reminds me, the trigger for me, recognizing I didn't even know all of this was, was, was in there until I had to dig it out growing up in a foster home. And I was the kid that stayed. But every other kid would come in every couple weeks or months and fight for my mom's love and attention, and they got it. And guess what? This little kid, you know, I was about seven years old or so, I was conditioned to feel like someone was always taking my mom's attention from me. Didn't even realize the insecurity that that brought. Then there are things that trigger. Oh yeah, I don't even realize, but it takes me back to that feeling of I'm not good enough. Someone else will take mom's attention because I don't measure. She loves them more than she loves me. No one told me that, but I was conditioned in life and in moments. And then everything in life in moments that were triggered would take me back and I'd remember. Didn't even remember that effectively. I don't remember the moment. I just remember the feeling. How many know a lot of us are walking with feelings that we don't even know how they got started, we just know they're there? And I was always walking with a feeling of I'm not good enough. I've always got to fight for, for love and attention. It'll always be taken from me. I'll never measure up. I don't have what it takes. I had no idea all of that was triggered from that moment, but everything around me would always remind me, not of what happened, but how I feel. But that assumption had to be broken by a cycle. And now, walking into a place of, it's no longer what I feel. It's what I know. It's no longer what I feel. I'm not, 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 not the familiar. Oh, I know how this feels. And some of us are too familiar with our feelings. I know how this feels. And it takes us back to those moments. It takes us back and we repeat and we're in a cycle. And God wants you and I to break free from the assumption cycle and walk into the authority, the promise that God has that we're moving too much 
with an understanding of our past, but we need to have not an understanding of our past, but the promise of his future for us. So how do we break this cycle? Proverbs 18, 13 says, spouting off before listening to the facts is both shameful and foolish. If we assume it allows us to do shameful and foolish things. It puts us in places that are foolish. This is exactly where Abraham was. Abraham, this is foolish. You've now just taken the the gift that God says, I'm gonna bless you through this wife of yours. And now you've allowed her to be in a place of vulnerability, in a place of, of being hindered and taken. How many would recognize that was foolish? But assumption, the way we think, if it's not confronted, will lead us to foolish places. Does that make sense? Am I making sense this afternoon? I promise we won't take long. What time is it? Yep, we're going to wrap up real quick. Everybody good? All right, all right. Let me give you some things. How can we break assumption cycle? Here's number one. Admit what you don't know. If we're going to break the assumption cycle, it's got to start with admit what you don't know. You don't have all the facts. You don't have all the, all the information. You don't know everything. There, there's an arrogance that comes with assumption. That, that, that individual who parked in the handicapped spot with a handicapped placard and got out and walked like nothing was bothering him, it's easy to make an assumption. Oh, he's just using the system. But you don't know underneath his jeans are two legs that have been blown off and now he's learned to walk and he's done it long enough that he's agile and he's able to move quickly but you can't see the legs that, that are underneath the, the partials that he's wearing because he's learned how to move. You only know half the story and from your perspective, it looks like a lazy man just taking advantage of the system. I know there's someone in the room who's like, yeah, it's my uncle, I know it. He's a, forget that, I just... just if we don't have the whole story, but how many know it's too easy to fill in the blanks and the danger of filling in the blanks is it usually goes negative. We're not typically, unless it's someone we know, when we don't know the situation, we usually recognize something negative and we fill the gaps with something negative. Notice it. When was the last time You were bothered because you couldn't find a parking spot and they got that handicapped spot and they probably didn't even get it fairly. I mean, when we're in life's moments, we can easily turn negative and the danger in turning negative and the danger of doing that is we usually tear down in the process of building ourselves up. I'm saying this not because we're evil and horrible people, but because we're human. So God, help us to know what's inside of us. Help us to know what's inside of us. Because it reminds me of First John when, when, when uh, John said, if you say you have no sin, then you call God a liar. Uh, no, I've got issues in me and I need God to heal and direct because I do have thoughts that need to be redirected. I do have emotions that need to be healed. I do have, I do have propensities and, and things in me that need to be adjusted. I am in need of a savior. Is there anyone else in the room who's in need of a savior? And that, that becomes the, the place of where we come from, that we don't know it all. Listen to this. Your assumption is an accurate description of the world that you created. Your assumption is an accurate description of the world that you created. And here's the danger of that. It's the world that I created. Well, who's the creator? And so if we operate too much in assumptions, then it's an indicator that we might need to get off the throne and let God back on. 
because we're operating according to our understanding, our own ways, and our own ideas. The biggest part of what this does is that it hinders our ability to see clearly. Now, instead of walking in clarity and hearing from God, we walk in our own understanding. There's a difference between getting clarity and making assumptions. A um, number of years ago, there was someone who uh, part of our church, love and trust, they came to my office one day and they said, uh, Jason, let me, let me talk to you. They said, uh, uh, you made this decision and when you made this decision, it looked like and it felt like and so I just wanted to clarify and ask you this question. And when they brought that to my attention, I said back to them, I said, I never even looked at it that way. I didn't even see it like that. Well, I can assure you that that's not what it was, but thank you for giving me clarity because you got clarity and I got clarity. Now it allows me to communicate in a better way. And so now you help me, I help you, and your heart is pure. Wow, it sounds like iron sharpening iron. You know what that situation could have turned out? Well, I know why he made that decision that I don't agree with. The reason he made the decision is because he thinks like this and he believes like this and he does this. That's why he did it. And now a wedge gets drawn and put in between. How many know that's exactly what the enemy wants assumptions to do? You fill in the blank. You be your own God, your own creator. You, you know everyone's intimate details and personalities and reasons. You tell us exactly why they said what they said and did what they did. How about instead of assuming you know why, how about in love going to that person and asking for clarification? Because in doing that, you might save not only a relationship, but help that brother or that sister in the process. No, I'd rather tear them down. Okay, I threw that one in jokingly. That's not, but in our culture, that's how it is. Oh, we love the dirty news about people. We love whenever somebody gets taken down. That's not everybody. I'm just saying in our culture, right? We usually hear the things that are falling apart and God help us to not jump to assumptions, all right? Here, here's number two. Not only do we need to admit what we don't know, we need to admit uh, not only what we don't know, but we need to admit, I gotta look at my notes, sorry. I was trying to do it from memory. Like, no, that didn't work. I'm just admitting to you. I don't have it memorized. Here it is, what we're afraid of. <laughs> we have to admit what we're afraid of. Every time uh, we we make assumptions, it's usually us filling in the blanks to protect us and keep us uh, hidden from something. Um, what is it that we're afraid of? What is it that's causing us? And sometimes in assumptions, when we can make assumptions, it allows us to protect ourselves from responsibility and healing. Responsibility and healing. Here's how I practice it when I was in insecurity. When I was in insecurity and someone made me feel a certain way, instead of me dealing with my issue of insecurity, the assumption that I made in the story I told myself is they're mean people. That's just how they treat people. They're rude. They don't talk to people. They don't. You see what I did? That I made the assumption of who they were, and by making the assumption of who they were, it took away my responsibility to deal with my insecurities. But don't tell me I'm the only one that's ever done that. That it's easy to operate in, and what I'm doing is I'm deflecting and I'm not owning responsibility. And oftentimes there's something in me that needs to be addressed and when I don't allow myself, and here's the word vulnerability, I've gotta become vulnerable. When I don't allow vulnerability, I protect myself. Here's a question I have to ask you. Who is in your world that can confront your thoughts and ideas 
and you don't get offended. Now, this isn't everybody. I mean, I open that circle up to just a few. My wife is part of that. I have a friend who's another pastor in another state. (laughs) That's always safe. (laughs) You don't know him. We can have real conversations. (laughs) I'm not kidding. I'm being honest. Um, But he's in my life, and he can tell me things like, "Uh, Jason, there's something wrong with the way you're thinking. And I don't reply back with, well, you don't know what it's like to be me. But I reply back with, huh, so what do I need to hear? Because if I can't be vulnerable and let somebody in, and here's the danger with the response of, well, you don't know what it's like to be me. The reply to that is, because life is not about being you, life is about becoming more like him. And maybe some things need to shift in your attitude and thinking so that you can become more like him that I had to get confronted with my insecurities. They didn't, it didn't, I didn't confront them until I was in my 30s, my early 30s, just as I was becoming the pastor here at this church. And I think being a leader made me confront some stuff. It's like, God, who do I believe? What do I trust? Because I want people to like me. I want everybody to like me. But guess what? I found out that's not possible. And early on, just in that insecurity of, oh, God, help me to, help me to walk in a place. It didn't, I didn't recognize it. You know why? Because I had a friend in my life who said, I think you need to go see a counselor. What? I'm a preacher. I got my act together. Like, I, I know how to preach. And, you know, people get moved when I talk and I pray. And I talk to Jesus. I speak in tongues. I keep a journal, I give prophetic word, I do this, I do, no, you need to talk to somebody. And when I did, it's like, oh, snap. I've got some insecurities in my life that if I don't get a hold of them, they're gonna keep dragging along. Abraham had his issue long before Gerar in Egypt. And while he was in Egypt, He does the same thing with Pharaoh. It's my sister, not my wife. And as a result, Pharaoh gave him servants, maid servants and flocks and different things. That's where Abraham would have gotten Hagar. Do you remember Hagar? Hagar was the maid servant given to Sarah who would have been from Egypt And whenever God promised that they would have a child and it wasn't happening the way they thought it would happen, Sarah says, here's my maidservant. Sleep with her and we'll have a child. And Abraham said, okay. Stupid move, Abraham. (laughs) So Abraham, of course, goes through this. And now, listen, listen, the very thing that got connected in in a cycle that needed to be broken, an assumption, Now this assumption follows them to, oh, well, God's not doing it the way he promised, so maybe he'll use Hagar. Now Hagar is following them all the way from Egypt and hangs with them. She gives birth to Ishmael. Ishmael, his name means a crooked root, becomes a division and a mockery to Isaac, their son. And now there's tension, all because this pattern followed them. 
I want you to know there's probably some patterns and you're not wrong because you have patterns. We're wrong because we keep them. At some point, Abraham had to get rid of Hagar. At some point, he had to say, you go that way and we're going this way. Some of us have connected to Hagar and that pattern. And now it's produced tension. And the tension is we want to believe God and by faith stand on God's word. Yeah, but the assumption of maybe he won't come through or maybe it won't work or I need to fill in the blanks. How many know what I'm talking about? And there might be some Hagars that you need to get rid of Hagar. You've been, bring, you've been bringing Hagar along and, and it's nothing but tension. It's nothing but struggle. You need to get rid of Hagar. And in this process, of course, allowing ourselves to commit or to admit what we're afraid of. There's some things we got to take responsibility over and say, I need to be responsible for these things and I need to start changing my perspective and my thought. Here's the last thing. We need to admit that we're not in control. Admit that we're not in control. Um, When we admit that we're not in control, we recognize that we are under control, okay? That is so important because this is, this is a key statement. Assumption is broken by submission. Until you and I submit fully to the Lordship of Jesus Christ, we'll keep filling in the blanks. But what I have learned to do on the other side of my insecurities, my insecurities were, oh, this is a familiar feeling. I know what this feels like. And now it's connected to this scenario. Different, different situation, same feeling. But now instead of reverting to my pattern and cycle of assumptions, I now step in a, hey God, what are you trying to show me in this situation? It feels familiar, but I know you're not sticking me in the past. God, what are you trying to move me into? Give me clarity, give me direction. What are you wanting to do? What, give me your perspective on this. Because how many know you can come up with your own perspective? And other people try and come up with perspective of what God is doing in your life. Can I just encourage you? Let wise counsel in but turn off the noise of people who try to give you counsel and wisdom when they have not even heard the voice of God. They just have assumptions. They're stuck in their own past experience. They're stuck in in the things that have been in the past. God wants us to step in to what is new. Assumptions are broken by submission. And and, and this is is something I think is so telling. Look at verse seven of what we read. Verse seven says this. It says, now return the woman to her husband and he, Abraham, will pray for you, for he is a prophet. You know what strikes me? Abraham got himself in the mess, and God said, now to unravel this, go see Abraham. Why? Because he has the authority to pray and to bring deliverance. So you know what that really tells me? I've got to quit operating in assumption and start operating in authority. When I operate in assumption, I'm connected to my experience and understanding of the past. But when I operate in authority, I'm connecting with his promise for my future. It was already in him that he was a prophet and able to speak. I want to say to you today, it's already in you. You don't need God to do anything for you to break the cycle. He's already given you the power of his spirit and the work of his, uh, the, the word of God in you. You already have what it takes in Jesus Christ. Not in yourself, but in Christ. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature. The old is gone and the new has come. So let your mind catch up with the new, the new spirit that God already put in you. 
having your mind made new in Christ, break the cycle of assumption and allow God to cause us to walk in authority. Here's the difference. When the pain or when that trigger happens and you say, well, I don't know what my assumptions are. They're identified or connected to your triggers. Whatever triggers you is connected to an assumption. Whatever triggers you. And for me, it's a trigger of, of not being good enough, not loved. It connects to my insecurities. That trigger has the ability for me to say, oh, this is familiar. I know this. But now I don't wake up in the cycle. I wake up with the one who gave me authority. The one who says, today is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. His mercies are new every morning. He makes all things new. I'm walking in the, with the one who I don't have to live with lens of what was yesterday, but I can live with the lens of God's word that is living and active and sharper than a two-edged sword. His word that is powerful in my life in this moment. How many know what I'm talking about? That sets me free. Now I can take the word and cut off the things that held me in the past because I know who I am in Christ, that his mercies are new. I don't have to live under the same old because now God has given me freedom. I no longer live under the assumptions. I now live in the authority. Would you stand with me? I want to sing this chorus as we go in these final minutes. And I don't know what your assumption is, but would you take authority over it right now? Maybe you can relate to my story. My story of assumptions are all connected to this issue that I had of insecurities. I know I'm not the only one. Everyone is insecure. Okay, I know this. We all have different types of insecurities. Everybody's insecure on some level. My insecurity kept me from being able to really be confident in God's love for me. As crazy as that sounds. But that's how good the enemy is when he gets us into a cycle and a pattern. We just live in the past. We live in what's familiar. Does that make sense? But now I can live with that, no, my God is for me. His word is new and active. His word is in this right now moment and he will direct me. I can have clarity and he can lead me. I can lead in truth and I don't have to walk in assumption anymore. Come on, how many know that's liberating? I, if not for you, then for me. Lord, I'll take it. It's liberating, and I thank you for liberty. So come on, would you just surrender that assumption to God?